Welcome to the Root of Power podcast, where I teach you how to chase your joy, find alignment, and create a life and a business that you love using actionable methods, interviews, and inspiring stories from people who know that true freedom is found within. I'm your host, your always hype woman and sometimes ass kicker, Amanda Chills, and I am so proud of you for choosing to step into your power. Come along, we've got dreams to build. Welcome to today's episode where we are talking about um, thoughts and beliefs and programming that is not helpful and how to yeet those bitches out the window. And you may be thinking, Amanda, why? Why do I have beliefs and thoughts that are not helpful? And I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to tell you why. This is so exciting. Um, So children know nothing of the world, of course. They are just born and they have to learn this whole complicated mess called being alive. And parents, in order to keep their children alive, have to teach them how to human. And because children are like little sponges. They soak everything up. So until, until children are about six years old, um, they exist in a theta wave state, which is essentially a subconscious wave state. Their subconscious is online, wide open, and it takes everything as, it takes everything as truth, which is why you can tell a young child that Santa Claus exists, that the Easter Bunny exists, that elf on a shelf um, is real, and they will just believe it. And you'll notice kids will start to stop believing in Santa Claus around seven, eight, nine years old. Um, that's because their logic brain starts coming online and they start questioning and saying, hey, wait a minute here. Um, so that's one of the reasons for that. So parents, in order to keep their kids alive, have to you know, teach kids about the world in a pretty quick way because children grow up fast. And, you know, so many parents are also dealing with their own filters and blind spots and trauma. And what I find is that most adults are walking around with hella unresolved trauma. And then if they don't heal that before they have children or while they have children, then they then pass on what their thoughts, patterns, beliefs, whatever, onto their children. So you'll see this in families where like, the grandparents are racist, the parents are racist, and they teach the kids to be racist. Or the grandparents um, believe that hard work is the way to succeed in this life. And so the kids learn, their kids learn that to work hard, work hard, work hard, save, save, save. And then they teach their kids to work hard, work hard, work hard, save, save, save. Um, so this is how things get passed down in generations, right? And it's because parents have to teach their kids how to survive in the world and all they know is all they know so of course they teach what they know so most of our beliefs most of our thought patterns most of our behaviors are actually conditioned responses that we learned as a child from our caregivers whoever that was um 
Now, this can get very messy depending on if you grew up in a stable household, if you grew up in a chaotic household, an abusive household, if you were in the foster care system, if you bounced around, like there's just so many things that we as humans go through and what our mind takes from those experiences is really what it thinks is the most helpful thing to take from the experiences, right? So so most of what we think, believe, do is a conditioned response until we start examining our thoughts, patterns, behaviors, and then we're like, oh, hey, some of those are whack AF. Um, some of them are very useful, some of them are very whack, some of them are very useful at the time and no longer useful now. So I'm of the camp, and here's what I see. Um, whatever patterns, behaviors, thoughts people have, doesn't come from nowhere. It all comes from somewhere. At some point, that was useful, but perhaps is no longer useful now. For example, let's say that Johnny grew up in a household where his parents were very, like, just absent. Perhaps they were using substance. Perhaps they were on drugs. Perhaps they were just self-centered. Perhaps they were um, dealing with, like, a lot of depression. They just were not present parents. So what Johnny would learn is that he can't trust his parents because they weren't reliable. And so Johnny learned to be self-sufficient and in fact to be probably a little hyper-independent. So as an adult, Johnny has beliefs like, I can't trust anyone but myself. And he has beliefs like, if I want something done right, it has to be me and I can't trust other people. Like That makes a lot of sense given how he grew up. And that was very useful then, but it's not very useful as an adult. In fact, as an adult, it gets in the way of having um, connected, healthy, supportive relationships. So our programming comes from culture, family, friends, religion, um, media, all of those things. And most people don't examine their thoughts or beliefs or patterns at all. Uh, which causes a lot of problems, right? So then you'll have people doing things that are just wildly unhelpful um, and not really understanding why because they're not taking the time to self-reflect and they don't know that that would even be a useful thing to do. Most people, I find, really never think about those things. And it's so bananas to me. Um, so I highly encourage everyone to like self-reflect and to, you know, start asking, well, why do I believe these? What do I believe? And why do I believe that? Is that even my belief? And why do I do the things that I do? And are the things that I'm doing even useful? And we'll get into those. So because children exist in a theta wave state, again, their subconscious is just wide open. They're accepting everything is truth. They don't question anything. And they then become adults that don't really question anything. Um, not very useful. And you know now that that is a useful thing to do. And so we'll start doing that differently. So again, this is good for an adult who has to teach a child to behave in the world quickly. Um, not so good for the adult that never learns to question their beliefs, thoughts, or patterns. So here are some of the ones that I come across often. Um, People will believe that you don't have to do, oh, let me fix that. <laughs> I wrote that down wrong. So a lot of people believe that consistency means doing something every day. 
And that's just not true. Consistent can be doing something every Monday. It can be doing, you know, something the first day of the month. It can be doing something once a year. Consistency is just a pattern. It doesn't mean daily. Um, so people will get into that, especially around like New Year's when they're making resolutions or they're setting goals. They'll think, oh, oh, I have to do this every day, but that's not the case. Um, consistency can just be whatever system, pattern, rhythm works for you. This is one I run into a lot with couples is that they think their partner has to be on their same schedule in order for the relationship to work. And that's not necessarily true. Now, it's pretty difficult if they have opposite schedules, like one person works night shift and the other works day shift and like they're always kind of in passing. Um, but it's not true that like both partners have to have the exact same schedule, that both partners have to work a nine to five or both partners have to work Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Like connection can be whatever you decide it is and quality time can be whatever you decide it is. Um, which leads us into our next one is that most people, well, let me rephrase that. I run into a lot of people who think quality time is having deep conversations. And I would suggest that that is very unhelpful. Quality time is whatever you decide it is. And quality time for some people may be parallel play where like you're both in the same room doing your own thing. And it may be deep conversations, but life can't be all deep conversations, right? Like just go play a game of pool. That can be quality time also. Or cooking dinner together or breakfast or lunch or any meal that you would like together. Um, or hanging out in the same room and doing your own thing. Like all of that can be quality time if you decide that that is quality time. I run into, ooh, this one is especially common as um, a trauma wound is a lot of people believe that love is earned. And it's not. Love is freely given. Now it is conditional, but it does not have to be earned. So when I say love is conditional, and here's the other thing a lot of people believe that's also wonky, a lot of people will say, but love is unconditional. It doesn't matter what they do, I'll love them. And it's like, that's not necessarily true. I can love someone, and if I saw them beat my dog, uh, the love is lost, friend. <laughs> like, it is severed, it is lost, goodbye, no longer love is present, see you later. Um, so love actually is conditional. Acceptance can be unconditional. I accept who you are and what you do. It doesn't mean I want um, that person in my life. It doesn't mean that what they're doing is okay, only that I accept it. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to pretend it doesn't exist. I'm not going to pretend it's not real. Everything is what it is. It's not what it's not. And acceptance is unconditional. Love is actually conditional. And it does not have to be earned. It's freely given. And so that is going to set a lot of people free. Love is not earned. It is a gift with no strings. A lot of my clients also think that they need, quote unquote, permission to do what they want to do. And in fact, they'll ask me like, you know, is this okay that I do this? And I'm like, I don't know, is it? <laughs> I think they hate when I do that. Um, but I can't tell you what to do with your life. I'm not the person who lives with the consequences. I may explore options. I may make a suggestion. But the choice is yours and yours alone, my sweet darling croissant. Um, so you don't need permission to do what you want to do. This is your life. The consequences are yours. 
which also sets a lot of people free. You get to choose. You get to choose everything, but know that when you make a choice, you also choose the consequences of that choice. Both are yours. I find that a lot of people have the belief that um, just because someone disagrees with their choice means it's the wrong choice, or the opposite may also be true. Just because someone um, like supports a decision means that they agree with it. So neither of those are true. If someone, like let's say when I wanted to move to North Carolina, right? A lot of people thought I was insane. And they were like, that decision is insane. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's cool. I don't care. Um, a lot of people disagreed with me. It didn't make my choice wrong. In fact, I knew it was the right choice. Um, so just because someone disagrees with the decision you're making does not mean that your decision is the wrong decision. Now, depending on who's telling you and their intention, it can be worth listening to. Like, I'm much more likely to listen to an opinion from my parents than I am um, a stranger at Walmart. Like, I don't know that person. They don't know me. Why would I listen to that opinion? But my parents do know me and I know that they have my best interests at heart. So that would be worth listening to. But again, disagreement doesn't mean it's the wrong decision. And on the flip side, telling a friend, hey, I support you, doesn't mean that you agree with their decision. Like, for example, let's say that um, Sally has a friend who is in a really crappy relationship. And her friend gets pregnant and she's like, I want to support my friend. She wants to support her friend, but she doesn't like her friend's partner, does not endorse their relationship, and in fact thinks that her friend's partner is a dumpster fire. Um, it's okay that Sally supports her friend and says, hey, like, I support you. I'm happy for your pregnancy. I know that you've wanted to get pregnant for a long time. Um, I'm very happy for you, which does not mean that she supports all of her friend's decisions, only that she's supporting her in that way. So supporting a friend is not the same as agreeing with their decisions or endorsing their decisions. So lots of these are just going to break people free. We're like cutting strings, cutting strings, cutting strings. I love this. Um, this is one that I see often is that people think their healing journey has to look like other people's healing journeys, and in fact, it can't because your journey is your own. Blinders on, comparison will not help you. Um, now, it may be interesting to say, oh, that person's journaling a lot. That would be, perhaps that's something I'm interested in, or oh, that person um, works with this person. Maybe I would enjoy working with that person. That's different than saying, well, they're so much farther, or they're so much um, different than mine. I'm going to do everything they do, but what works for them may or may not work for you. We don't know. Oh, well, here we go. Uh, we don't know if it will work for you. Your journey is your own. So filter all options through the lens of, will this work for me? Um, and take that with a healing journey, with work, with partner, with just everything. Filter options as, will this work for me? Your life will not look like anyone else's. Um, that's the point. It's yours. Here's one that <laughs> a lot of people learn because they grow up with selfish, self-centered caretakers. Um, 
a lot of people learn that disappointing someone, quote unquote, is the worst thing they can do. And so they spend their whole lives breaking their back, bending over backwards, lying, self-abandoning, self-betraying in order to not disappoint, quote unquote, other people. Um, let me suggest this. If someone is disappointed by your decision, that's their problem, not yours. And in fact, you are allowed to do what's best for you, even if other people don't like it, get disappointed, or disagree. Because your life is not their life, and you are not responsible for other people's emotions. Just like I cannot put a gun to someone's head and say, feel excitement, feel happiness, and they just feel happy. It's, it's not possible to make someone feel something. Now, we can certainly influence what someone is feeling. If I made fun of someone and they felt bad, that I certainly influenced that. Um, but I can't put a gun to their head and say, feel bad. So we cannot force someone to feel something. We can influence how someone feels. And even if other people are disappointed, you are still allowed to do what you please. Here's one that sets a lot of people free as well. A lot of people think people are like watching them. And I get it, right? Because again, kids are taught that Santa is always watching and Elf on the Shelf is always watching. And when, you know, Santa's too far away, then the Easter Bunny is always watching. Or they'll say, you know, Jesus is always watching, like any of those things. A lot of people grow up in an accidental police state <laughs> where there's a lot of surveillance. And it makes sense because, again, parents, one of their jobs is to keep their kids safe and to, to teach their kids how to behave, but parents aren't always in the room. And so they, you know, um, so it benefits parents and the children, honestly, to say, hey, someone is watching, behave. Because kids will, listen, if you have ever been around a child, you know, kids will just get into things. And parents teach kids this like good, bad, moralistic programming in order to keep them safe. Because we don't want kids running into the road. We don't want them sticking, you know, a fork in an electric socket. We don't want them bullying other kids, et cetera, et cetera, right? As an adult, if that belief is not examined, it just lives in the subconscious because all of those things, remember, a child accepts everything is true, it goes directly into their subconscious, and then if it doesn't get examined as an adult, they just believe that to be true, that someone is always watching, and then they become adults who think other people are watching them or paying attention to them, but like no one is paying attention to you, no one cares. And if they do care, it doesn't really change your life, right? It may be a fear, but it's certainly not a threat. If somebody thinks that I'm ugly or fat or stupid or weird, um, it's not a threat to my life. It really doesn't mean anything. It just exists in that person's head. And I don't even know what's happening. So it's not useful to focus on. Um, a lot of people think that once they make a decision, they can't change their mind. And that is old programming. That's not helpful. You are allowed to change your mind about anyone, anything, anytime, even if other people are disappointed by that, even if other people don't like it. And so you'll you see how these layer 
and how a lot of these are kind of intertwined. <sighs> so much, right? Um, this one is similar to that one, layered, intertwining, right? Quitting doesn't mean failing. I can't tell you how many people um, will I've heard say like, oh, my relationship failed because it ended in divorce. And I'm like, okay, but that doesn't mean that the relationship failed. It just mean, it just means that it ended in divorce. Like not every relationship is meant to last forever. And that's okay. But it certainly doesn't mean the relationship failed or that either person failed just because a relationship ended. It doesn't mean that someone failed because they quit their job. It doesn't mean someone failed because they quit a goal that is no longer aligned with them. Like I would actually call that a win. And in fact, I find that the most successful people know when to quit because never quitting just to say you never quit doesn't make a lot of sense if it pulls you out of alignment or if it makes you miserable. Like it just doesn't make any sense. That would be like climbing Mount Everest and knowing that a storm was coming that would wipe out everyone and continuing to climb anyway and then dying on Mount Everest. Like it just doesn't make any sense. It's better to quit and live another day. And it's better to quit and be happy. It's better to quit and be in alignment. Um, oh, here's one that all of my clients experience a lot of relief when they hear is that forgiveness is not required for healing or moving on. You do not have to forgive anyone. You can. It is a choice you can make. It is not required. Um, here's one that a lot of people, especially in the U.S., believe is that people with money are evil or people with an abundance of money are evil. Now, some are. <laughs> some are horrible people. Um, but there's a lot of, like, money does not make someone evil. It only amplifies who they are. So there's that one. Um, we are just, we're undoing so many of these, only a couple more. So if your brain is like, oh, wow, so many things released, like amazing. We've only got a couple more. Um, this is when I tell people that they sometimes don't believe me at first, um, but come to know is true, is that life doesn't have to be hard. But if all that um, you've ever seen is people who believe and in fact make true that life is hard, then it makes sense that like that would be a belief. Um, if all I knew was, if I grew up in a house that spoke Spanish, I would speak Spanish as an adult, right? So like the beliefs that are in the house when we're children become the beliefs, unconscious beliefs that adults carry, which is why we want to examine them. Um, but a lot of people believe that life is hard and life is miserable. And it's just not, it's not, it doesn't have to be. Is life sometimes painful? Yes, of course. Um, does it have to be suffering? No, absolutely not. Like it's a Buddhist saying that says pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Um, that is a much more helpful belief than believing that everything is pain and suffering. Like that just, it doesn't help anybody. Um, yeah, there we go. Yay, exciting. So how do we, you may be thinking, okay, Amanda, that's all well and good. And that was super helpful. But I'm not quite sure how to examine my own beliefs and to break them. And like, I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to tell you right now. You start first, step one, is to witness your thoughts. So we are not our thoughts. We are the thinker experiencing our thoughts, which is why we can have a thought and not act on it. For example, sometimes I think I would like to hit this bitch with my car and I don't do it. 
yay them and also yay me because I I don't think I would do well in jail. Although I do think he would take it as like a social experiment and be like, okay, how many people can I manipulate? And like maybe it would be my own little secret like mastermind cult. But anyway, yay for them and yay for me because I can have a thought. I'd like to hit this bitch with my car and not follow through with it. They live, I live, everyone goes on to have a good time. Um, so we are the thinker behind our thoughts, which means we can witness our thoughts and in fact choose which thoughts to feed. We cannot choose what we think. We can choose which thoughts to give energy to. Let me repeat that. We cannot think, <laughs> we cannot think, we cannot choose what we think. We can choose which which thoughts we pay attention to and give energy to. For example, it is not useful to give energy to the thought, I want to hit this bitch with my car. It is useful to give energy to the thought, I hope they have the day they deserve and to go on about my merry way. So step one is to observe our thoughts. Then step two is to question and assess if your thoughts are helpful. Not as interested in true as I am very interested in what's helpful. It is a helpful thought to think that life can be easy. Is it easy all the time? No, but if that's helpful, if it gives you energy, fuck yeah, think it. It is helpful to think that I'm capable of doing things. It is helpful to think that people are gen generally kind and that is a much more helpful thought. So start questioning and assessing if your thoughts are helping you. Are they helping you get more of what you want? Are they helping you be who you want to be? Are they helping you reach your goals? If they're not helpful, you can change them. So if you've been thinking, um, like let's say that Jane has been thinking that she'll never find a good job. And so all she sees are bad jobs. Well. She only sees that because she's been thinking that she'll never find a good job. It would be much more helpful for Jane to think that, of course, she'll find a good job. It's only a matter of time. Because what we look for, we will find. So if Jane starts looking for and believing that she will find a good job, she will inevitably find a good job. So much more helpful. You can write down a list of things you believe to be true and start looking at them and saying, okay, do I, is this even my belief? Do I really believe this? That would be a very interesting exercise. Um, anytime you say or think the word should, that's an unconscious belief. Well, people should know better. Okay, well, people shouldn't molest children, but they do. So that actually is a belief. I don't believe people should molest children. Um, sometimes it's your belief, sometimes it's not, but it's helpful to be on the lookout for should so you can assess. Um, and the last one is take a look at how you, the actions you've been taking and assess if they're getting you where you want to be. For example, if I have a goal of going to the gym at five in the morning and I stay up scrolling TikTok until 1am every night, that is not a behavior that is getting me where I want to be. And so it's not useful. Now, perhaps I grew up in a household where physical health was not valued, where people were like, oh, you can't get healthy anyway, it doesn't matter. 
So, okay, well then that becomes an unconscious belief, right? So assess if your actions are getting you closer to where you want to be. And that is how you become very good at challenging and then changing unhelpful beliefs, thoughts, patterns, programming. So very excited for you to do that. Uh, your life is about to change once you start doing it. And if you want some support with that, Exhale and Release is the program for you. Get on the wait list. Um, wait list gets the discount. So I would definitely do that. And yeah, so start there. Start there. You'll definitely start making changes, start noticing changes, and life gets better. So, okay, go have the best day. Um, I should probably tell you where to find the waitlist. The waitlist is on exhaleandrelease.com. Um, there are two tracks, a first responder track and a healing track. If you're a first responder, you get both. If you're not a first responder, the healing track is the one for you. Okay, go have the best day.